and welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything Top Fives, presented by the Sex Effects. I'm Joey Prati, and I'm Sean Day. And folks, um, we just we have a we have a really nice time for you tonight. I I, I think that's kind of it's just it's going to be nice, um, and I'm it's really nice. <laughs> really excited uh, for how nice it's going to be. But uh, before we get to all the niceties, Jonathan, how are you, my friend? Uh, doing good, man. We're going into uh, February now. And yeah, we are. It's uh, yeah, it's been a kind of a you know the month has just flown by through the first month of the year. So yeah, excited to just be podcasting and um, catching up on some some movies and some music, some some bass players. Oh, what? what are we talking about? What? <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, just um, yeah, just. Excited to to be uh, to be creative and working on things for real, man. I second that shit. <laughs> you realize we've been doing this podcast almost four years. It's kind of cool that we twenty fifteen. We're killing it, man. We're killing it with yeah. the uh, with uh, every week trying to bring content and try to have some really good top five lists. And I'm I'm always excited to explore deeper and further into your butt. realm of top fives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're having a good time here. We're having a good time. But uh, four years strong. Pretty exciting. Four years strong. That's yeah. Ben. And this is episode 124. Um, if you're just tuning in for the first time, check out our old episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. I believe that's it. <laughs> so, um, so Shawnee, uh, what do we... Oh, real quick, following up from last week. We were going to yes. each watch the other Fire Festival documentary. Did you yes. get around to it? I did, yeah. Okay, and I watched the Hulu one yesterday. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. The, so I watched the Hulu one first, and it was more about... They actually had uh, Billy sit down. They had like they paid him to sit down and do an interview. It was like $250,000 for eight hours of interview. Something crazy like that, which is... The very, I think the controversial part about that, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm willing to pay this guy who scammed everyone out of money, this much money to even interview him. Yeah. And they also uh, got exclusive footage from his camp. But yes. the footage from the Netflix one is like just as fucking good. Like, I don't know. But yeah. Just as good. Yeah. It, I feel like it highlighted more of the, like the, lo- the local, mm-hmm. um, how it affected the locals out there. Yeah. And just like how it just, I mean, that that place just wouldn't work for the, for the amount of time they had for the, you know, what they were trying to do. And even the locals, you know, kind of bailed out and, or at least, you know, some of them were, you know, of course worried about the dangers that would happen or, you know, if this was going to even lead to anything and talk about having all these people come to this, this like Island, you know, where people live and like try to create things. But yeah, it's, it was interesting seeing both ends and um, the Netflix one, I think was, uh, had some, I think the producers uh, from the um, from the marketing the marketing company yeah they so they they the produced the the documentary for Netflix yeah and which, that's what Hulu did as far as they highlighted the influence of the you know of the of that company and the influencers behind you know Instagram and all those other social media platforms yeah so I I don't know I don't know man I watched the Netflix one first so I'm kind of partial to it I don't feel like. Um, the interview footage with Billy McFarlane was worth two hundred and fifty thousand fucking dollars. Like yeah, a lot of it lot was of it was like, like I can't say, 
or yeah. any, you know whatever went wrong was my responsibility. It's like, dude, we paid you for some juice. We paid yeah. you for some dirt, motherfucker. Like, come Spill on. Spill the beans. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I enjoyed uh, the Netflix one more. I think it was a bit more informative. Like, you know, the whole was it Avion Water uh, or Avion yeah. Water? Like that guy is. I, he's getting his own show. What? Yeah. Um, apparently, I just read this. Yeah. So, like, he, you know, his whole thing blew up so much that uh, because of the infamous, you know, he was prepared oh. to go down there. He listerined. He brushed his teeth. He was, you know, holy shit. That part of the documentary is insane. Of what you know, the stakes were. Um, yeah. Going into this festival, and um, yeah, I just I don't know what to think about all of it. To be honest with you, you know, somebody made a good point. I think it was in the Netflix one, but I could be wrong. It could be the Hulu one about. You know, no one remembers how Woodstock the the cars were lined up down the street and however many people OD'd or whatever, like, you know, all that yeah. shit. You remember the music, you remember that. Um, and it's like, oh, Woodstock could very easily, if you tilted the lens of history, could be viewed as this disaster kind of thing, but ultimately it was a success. This was a disaster and then just kept on disasteringing. <laughs> you know, yeah, like... pretty much. Uh, yeah. It's wild. It's really wild to think about. I remember... I remember reading about Blink-182 pulling out of this festival and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for a second, I was like, well, fuck those guys. You know, like, you can't just pull out of a fucking thing just this <laughs> soon before. Because it was very quick. It was very soon. Um, I mean, that, and that's the interesting part, too, because we, uh, that came through social media or, like, mm-hmm. you know, through our, through the internet. And, like, I remember hearing about the Fire Festival through social media, through Facebook or, one, you know, one or the other. And... Um, that that's still an interesting kind of fact that you know they highlight in those docs, like as far as like social media's influence, and of course all the people pretty much hyping up this event that yeah. pretty much never happened, and how powerful um, and how, how yeah you know addicted or, or you know people you know they're well, what am I trying to say here? Like their, their lives on Instagram is the life that they wish they were actually living and want you to believe that they're actually living. You know, it's, it's a weird, what the fuck world do we live in? You know what? Like this is yeah a strange it's, it's, time, man. It's very, yeah. yeah. It's very disturbing at times when you think about it. Yeah. And, um, I, I just think, uh, with, um, the whole aftermath of this whole fire festival, like, I mean, I don't think he got the time, like, no. enough to, as far as going to jail. He kept running scams. He kept running scams. And then he invited people time. over to videotape him scamming people. Like, what What hubris is compels a person to do something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. What the fuck? Um, he's, he's a piece of shit, in, in my opinion. Um, and his um, fucking feigning uh, sorrow or, you know whatever like during the hulu documentary you know he seems remorseful a bit and it's like how much of this is an act what's he planning right now what's he planning on doing to screw over someone else you know he has such Um, a manipulative personality and yeah you can even see it in that interview um even though we didn't get as much you know out of it all those Um, those are learned mannerisms his like looking down and you know oh poor me like no um i think he is a scammer on the level of like jordan belfort you know, um, 
or I don't think he's on that level, but that's what he reminded me of or what he could become yeah. one day if he didn't get caught. Um, but guys like this, if they get caught, it, they don't let it stop them. They just move yeah, on to the next scam. Man. Next scam it is. And with that amount of jail time that he's being offered, man, he'll be out and scam more people. Yeah. What? Uh, so which documentary did you prefer? I don't know, because they, they both had different... I mean, I watched, so again, like I watched the Hulu one first, so they kind of pinned it against like the social media and, right. um, was it F- Fuck Jerry or whatever? I believe it was. And a lot of people are yeah. hating Fuck Jerry right now, but that's because they steal content. Yeah. So that was interesting. So I came into it like, okay. And then of course, I guess knowing the fact that, yeah, the producers were, you know, the same producers were part of it. So, um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one I prefer. I mean, it, it, as far as the event happening, like as, as far as both of them documenting, like what happened and getting as much detail and, and, uh, you know, kind of the views from the locals and the people who are there, the social influencers, there's a lot of different people who, um, were, you know, were there and reacted to this whole, you know, monstrosity out of event. So I don't know. I, I don't have a preference, but I don't know. It, it's tough. Because, yeah, if you watch one of the other, it's, I guess you can kind of pull from you know, what you want. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it is it is kind of a small story. Or not, you know, it happened so quickly, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, and I just felt like, uh, I mean, how couldn't you? But there was just a lot of repeat, you know. Yeah. Um, in both documentaries. Like, um, what, uh, what happened to Ja Rule? Nothing for some reason. Like there, the, in the Netflix one, there's that uh, scene where they're you know after the fire festival has ended and everyone's you know, and they've got him on the phone, and they're like, "We committed fraud." He's like, "No, no, no! You can't look at his it fraud. It's just like, it's just like false advertising." And they're like, "Yeah, it's called fraud." Like, yeah, <laughs> he's like fuck. pretty much admitting to to it as well. But yeah, that's yeah, that's what I found like interesting. Like you know, Billy got like pretty much. Not enough jail time. Nah. And then Ja Rule kind of like walked away from it. He, yeah, he walked away. Kind of clean, except for his stuff. image or whatever. But, you know, some people might yeah. dig that, actually. He got away with it. He did that, you know. But it's yeah. fucked up. And uh, uh, if you yeah. haven't seen it, uh, you know, pick one. <laughs> pick one. Check it out. Yeah. Um, Maybe there might be another fire festival scam. Jesus Christ. Sure. We do. Oh, okay. Another happen. scam. Yeah. I was going to say, we don't need a fucking third documentary. <laughs> The Fire Trilogy. No fucking thank you. Uh, two in the same month was was bad enough. Uh, <laughs> how fucking bizarre, right? It it is, man. That that happening, yeah. Like, coincidentally, at the same time. Fucking crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, who knows? <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, any other like news type of shit, Shawnee? I can't think of anything. Um, yeah. I'm, not really. I can't really think. Well, that's good. I mean, it's been it's been, it's been a blur of a week. It has been. It I, was the Super Bowl. The Grammys. Don't happened. remind me, man. Don't remind me about yeah. the Super Bowl. I'm like my heart just broke for my dad. I couldn't get the game on, um, on the Apple TV. So I just had a live web page. It wasn't video, no pictures. It was just a picture of either helmet and the score. I think it was like Google, you know. Um, and I sat here for hours and just watched. The score and I was just like, "Fuck!" Um, yeah, I love you, Dad. 
um, and we'll get them next year. All right. Uh, but yeah, um, fucking Patriots. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> oh well. Um, oh, new Avengers little trailer. Did you see that? Yeah. A little yeah. teaser. Um, I didn't really get a chance to like break it down, but some good uh, stuff I in just, that. I just can't wait for the movie to come out now. Yeah. I just, just want to watch it now. And that's, I mean, it's, we're going to February. I mean, we only have a couple more months and then. Jeez, we'll that's right. It comes out in April. Dude, April. Holy yeah. fuck. It's coming, man. And you what else comes out this year? Ooh, what? Episode nine. Ah, How we right. don't have a title yet for this fucking movie? What the fuck? Yeah, what's going on? You know, I've really, I've kind of, uh, I feel like I've divorced myself from the Star, from the Star Wars. Wars. Like, <laughs> you know, it was such a kick when it came back with episode seven, and we had such a great time going to see that. And, um, but there's definitely, like, the fandom is very toxic. And yeah. um, fucking, at the end of the day, it's not real. It's well. I mean, no fucking shit. None of it is real. But I just mean, like, you know, to me, something is with its creator, unless it's something like. All right, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because obviously I love Batman and things like that. But, um, <laughs> you know, Star Wars was a creator owned. It was an original thing. He made a trilogy. He went back and made another trilogy. Whatever. That's his prerogative. Yeah. These are his characters, and then he sells it, and they're, they're just big budget fan films. Really like. The, for people getting so fucking angry about these movies, dude, they're just big budget fan films. Like, obviously, you can fuck with canon willy nilly, however the fuck you want. Don't yeah, you know? Yeah. Just fuck. Um, having said that, I get very bent out of shape about Batman shit. If I see <laughs> Batman killing, I got into it, man. I got I, I got into it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> well, it's like for you, it's like it's it's more importantly, it's just like your your experience concept and like connection with the character right yeah you know we like i guess for star wars it's the original trilogy that we relate to and that's those are the characters that we know and and are you know we associate with star wars closely um same for batman you know like and all the you know renditions of batman and you know we we talked about mark hamill and the joker and like how how many different people play the joker but i still think mark hamill's freaking awesome as the joker yeah um but uh, yeah, I think uh, again, it's yeah, it's gonna be yeah. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, man. We're about to see. It's a while. We're about to see what happens in this uh, next Star Wars film. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'll watch it. Yeah, and I'm excited to go see Avengers because it's gonna be it's be wild, super lit. <laughs> Twill. 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 We're also getting a Spider-Man movie this year. Uh, oh, we're man, getting yeah. Far From we're Home. Like a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, uh, Captain Marvel, which I'm Captain still not Marvel. excited about. I want to be. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's starring a female or anything like that. I could give a fuck about any of that shit. It's just it looked kind of bland from the trailer. Sorry. I don't know. It's all good. Well, I'm going to go see it, and we'll see how, how it is. Well, you have fun. No, I'll, I'll go see it, too. <laughs> um, still need to see Aquaman. Same. I haven't yeah. seen Aquaman. I just have no desire. Yeah. No fucking desire. Yeah. I watched um, fucking the Paul Feig movie, uh, A Simple Favor. Oh, I haven't seen that. Blake no, Lively no. and um, Anna Kendrick. Really fucking good. 
Oh, I've never seen the trailer for that. Yeah. Yes. Give me more yes. shit like that, Hollywood. Just like smart, talky shit that yeah. it's kind of cheap to make, I guess, maybe, sort of. Um, and like just fucking f- enrich my life that way. Like I don't need <laughs> fucking a dude riding a shark. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't dude, need yeah. fucking Willem Dafoe in a man bun. I don't, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm, I'm pissing off a a ton of our imaginary audience, I'm sure. Um, fuck you, I love Aquaman. I don't care, man. <laughs> Everything's subjective. You know? You like what you like. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't, you know, if you like it, that's cool. I don't give a fuck. He's cool. I don't give a fuck. Um, Shawnee, <laughs> shall we get to some lists? I'm, you know, sure. talked my foot into my mouth a bunch of times already. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give you the first one. All right. Hit me with it, my friend. Joey, we've done top five drummers, top five guitar players, top five singers. <sighs> what are your top five bass players? Bass players. All right. Bassists. Um, all right. A little low end today. Yeah. Well, special shout out first to our bass player, Andrew Hopkins. Andrew Hopkins. Um, all right. This is tough, man. This is tough. You know, I, I, I realize as I'm trying to compile this list, I don't even listen to that much music anymore, so my tastes are limited here. Um, number five, Matt Sharp from the from Weezer for the first two albums. Yeah. Um, just really good bass lines, just like really solid. Uh, like Only in Dreams, it's subtle. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> oh man, it's killer. Um, I was talking to one buddy of mine, my buddy Roland. He's like, dude, he when he left Weezer, they ceased kind of being Weezer. He was the sound. Like, yeah, Rivers wrote the lyrics and the songs, but that dude brought the sound to Weezer. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's very yeah, very interesting way to look at it too. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Number four, I'm going to go Bruce Thomas of The Attractions. Oh, okay. As in uh, Elvis Costello and The Attractions. Yeah, okay. Um, specifically, I love this year's model. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And um, it's just got, you know, like... What is that? Uh, it's not Pump It Up, is it? Or the beat? Uh, I don't know. There's just so many good... Fucking bass lines are snaky. They're fucking, they keep it, you know, going. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the attractions. Um, number three, we, we grew up watching this dude, you know, uh, Mike Dirt of Green Day. Yeah. He's so good, man. Uh, you know, his bass lines are, I think I've heard people call him, you know, kind of a virtuoso bass player. Uh, they're yeah. just, they they snake around and they're just they they his bass playing has a sound unto itself you know yeah, it's very yeah. distinctly him it's kind of bouncy and ah, I and love the, it and the way he plays too like what, the way he animates himself yes like, absolutely gets, he, gets really into playing and 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 like getting in, you know showing the crowd like you know he's he plays his heart out man he fucking That's does yeah absolutely um, and we've had the pleasure of seeing them. A number of times. Countless times, yeah. yeah I can't remember the time. last Green Day record I picked up, maybe 
21st century breakdown. I think that's the last yeah. time I spent money on Green Day, but they peaked at American Idiot, man. They that was, really that was did. A, that was the, a great tour too, as well. Oh man, fuck! That was like yeah. the, I think the like the biggest Green Day concert I've ever been to when they were touring that at uh, Giant Stadium. Yeah, yeah. fucking. Uh, I remember he dedicated uh, when "Wake Me Up When September Ends" to Johnny Ramone because he had just passed away. Fucking cool. Gosh, so cool. Man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, number two, Paul McCartney, Beatles. You know, <laughs> uh, had to be. Um, had I don't be. think you could do a list of bass players without Paul McCartney, but unless you have, I don't know. I'm being <laughs> presumptuous here. But, um, you know, come on. Like, come on. That's all I'm going to say. Come on. Come on. Um, <laughs> And then, it's Paul McCartney. It's Paul, it's, we're going to go see him. We are actually. going to see him in July. July. In July, dude. Paul. At Dodger Stadium. At Dodger's <laughs> fucking stadium. It's going to be a blasty blast. And um, I'm going to get him to sign my cleavage. And it's going to be Ooh. It's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> a one-on-one you know? meeting with Paul, Mr. Sir Michael. Do you think he still gets, like, groupies <laughs> and shit? Um, I'm not sure, dude. I'm not sure. I do believe he's like one of the few like famous rich people that is like actually monogamous. Like I think him and Linda had a good marriage just from an outsider's perspective and one that is very cynical. I think he is a good dude on that level. But I do wonder, like I watched the video with uh, him and Emma Stone, which made me very uncomfortable. Um, have you seen it? No, I haven't really seen it. It's Google it later. It's um, what's the song? <laughs> um, Who cares? I do something like that. It's it it's it makes me very uncomfortable. But I'm watching it. I'm just like I wonder like if Emma Stone was like, oh my god, like I'm with a beetle, and if Paul McCartney's like, you know, I could totally bed her right now if I wanted to because I'm I'm a beetle, you know. Like do, I I just I wonder if any of the, these people in these scenarios have these thoughts. Uh, is it just me? Am I just weird, man? I think yeah. I'm pretty fucking out there tonight. Just fantasizing about your yeah yeah, yeah. Paul McCartney. <laughs> Bass player. Uh, and number one, he wasn't the first, but he's been with them the longest. Nick O'Malley of uh, Arctic Monkeys, man. Though, talk yeah. about, you know, especially those early albums. Talk about songs that were just built on fucking bass lines, dude. Um, I'm blanking. I'm trying to think of songs to like oh, point to, I, but there's just, I mean, it's bass is also like the driving force, like with bass and, and Matt Helders on drums. Oh my like, God. It's a wicked combo. Yeah. That combo and just the, the bass lines that he, he creates are just so, um, unique and integral to like the, the song itself. Like it stand again, it stands on its own. It's yeah. It's own lane. Um, dude, I even, Oh man, that's a good call right there. Shit. Dude. Good bass player for your number one. Yeah, yeah. I I love me some Arctic Monkeys. Didn't care for casino, hotel, bass, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, at the end of the day, I love me some Arctic Monkeys. So. Heck yeah. Don't believe the eye. Don't believe it. I wish, you know, as Alex moves towards this more piano-based, slower version of the band, I don't forget that you're playing with some of the most talented motherfuckers on the planet and like, just let them rip dude. Like yeah, yeah. as sexy and wonderful and professional that AM sounds, 
it's such a pleasure going back to Suck It and See and listening to them just as a full band and very simple, yeah. you know, because they recorded it pretty much live, I, want, I, want, I believe, that record. Um, it's just got this uh, kind of raw sound to it. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely, as far as, like, that is the, their record to really, like, boil down their sound. And um, it's interesting because it's, like, as they've progressed and, and, you know, did these other albums and kind of created different sounds, I still, I still prefer them, you know, from, you know, for their, for their first, re- you know, couple records. Yeah. So. Wild. Yeah, man. Shawnee. Wild. Um, I feel like I have a pretty lackluster list there, but I'm very excited to hear who you are about to name drop. Who are your top five yeah. favorite bass players? So I've got, oh man, I, I tried to order these. I had one, I had, I was thinking um, Paul McCartney as well. Um, and I was thinking you might put him on there. So I, I, you I avoided him off. All right. Yes. I love Paul McCartney though. He's awesome. He's a great bass player and a great singer. Paul, if you're listening um, to this, Sean hates you. And uh, that's why he left you <laughs> off. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Uh, so I've got... Um, uh, I've got number five, uh, Alicia Beneviste. Uh, she's part of this band called the Funketeers. Ooh. And um, yeah, I found her on Instagram. Uh, she was an Instagram, uh, just a person I fe- like uh, throughout my feed. And all of a sudden, she's like this, she's a huge like YouTuber and kind of social media, um, you know, uh, musician, but also plays in, this, in her band. And um, her kind of style is like funk. Right on. A little bit. So very, like, very um, intricate and um, definitely a seasoned player. Uh, but she's great. Like, her lines and the way she plays is... That's is cool. Pretty, it, I don't know. It's unbelievable. I can't play that fast. <laughs> right um, on. Yeah. So that's my number five. So a band called the Funketeers, they play funk? Funketeers uh, and Alicia Beneviste. Right on. Is the, um, is the bass player. Hell yeah. Rock on. Rock so I got out. for number four. Let's see here. Number four, I got James Jameson. Um, he actually played bass on a majority of the like the Motown oh, um, right on. selections. And there's actually a really great documentary. I probably mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, yeah. Um, Standing in the Shadows of Motown. Um, that documentary talks about these session musicians, uh, including James Jameson, who are part of a lot of these sessions where they were the pretty much the backbone and the... Uh, the, the the music behind a lot of these great you know people under the label of Motown, so um, yeah, his bass playing is definitely you know it's again it's R and B it's kind of funk it's all these different uh, you know very rhythmic and again the with that kind of music with Motown it was very of course yeah the back drum section and bass like they were definitely the ones pushing the song and being the uh, kind of the uh, the heartbeat of everything so. Uh, yeah, James Jameson for number four. Hell yeah. Uh, let's see here. Number three. Three, huh? Three, here. Yeah. I've got Chris Wolstenholm. All these guys have crazy last names. Yeah. Chris Wolstenholm. He is the bass player for Muse. Ooh. Um, I don't know. There's this, I feel like every time I listen to Muse, uh, the, the bass lines from Chris are always very uh, unique and, and different. He, he finds ways to combine his, his technical playing with bass with also um, guitar f- effects pedals, and, and he creates these kind of different sounds. There's a lot of dirt and fuzz and 
kind of aggressiveness to his uh, his bass playing, and that's what I like because you know I grew up on punk music and you know that's kind of the thing as far as he tries to create the sound that's very defined but also very mangled and gritty at the same time, um, and yeah, killer killer uh, killer bass player. Right on. So Chris Wollstenholm, I have to Wollstenholm, <laughs> Wollstenholm. Uh, man. Let's see here. I got, uh, oof. Man, this is tough. Okay, I'm going to go with, um, number two, Paul Simon. Is this? Simonon. Simonon. Simonon from The Clash. He almost made my Uh, list. Yes. He is, uh, of course, again, one of the backbone members of The Clash. And, you know, what was great about the clash is they had such a diverse, uh, catalog of songs. Um, and each record had even a diverse amount of songs and, and just kind of the, uh, the, the, the incorporation of what instruments they're using and the way they play their instruments too, as well. And, um, Paul, I feel always kind of, he was a main contributor, I think for a lot of the songs that the clash wrote as far as like creating the rhythm and, um, you know, kind of the, Again, the attitude of the song, and um, he brought and this a lot of reggae. Right, he was the main reggae of, guy. Yeah, you're right. He, and he also had his influence with reggae and and that kind of music. And of course, it it definitely influenced everyone else in the band. And of course, a lot of their songs have uh, you know kind of a um, you know some of them in the style of a reggae feeling. And of course, the bass playing is a, you know very accompanied to it. So um, yeah, Paul. Some, I can't, I can never Simonone. Simonone. Well, there's, uh, I forget which documentary it was. Joe Strummer was recalling like the time he met him, and he's like, you know, it's, it's uh, Mick and Simo, and I like that. Like, uh, that makes it very easy. You know, he called him just Simo yeah, or whatever. <laughs> um, so, let's see here. So that's number two, man, and my number one is John Deacon, bass player of Queen. Oh. Dude, he, he wrote he wrote those bass lines, man. Another one by Sadust. Um, Shit. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, again, I think as far as Queen uh, and as a band, and, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because, like, I mean, they had a combined effort as far as a band, but, you know, of course, everyone associated with Freddie Mercury and, you know, being the lead, uh, lead, lead writer, I would say. Um, but John Deacon, I feel had, um, and uh, also equally with some of the other people, uh, other players in queen, um, he had a, yeah, a very tight knit, uh, writing style. And as far as, you know, creating the music and, um, being able to just perform and, and get these interesting lines that really drove the song and, and really created these songs and, Again, are, are sometimes the bass lines are the highlights of the songs. Like another one bites the dust, is the bass. The bass line is like the highlight of the song. It is the main part that you think about and remember uh, about the song. And um, for those of you that don't know, it's yeah, it's such a great bass line. And of course, there's many more songs that he you know wrote with Queen. And um, I don't know, it's it's. It's like thinking of a band and, and everyone playing and, and, you know, as far as the writing too, play, you know, having the roles with writing, um, I think it's just, uh, he, he definitely, he stood out as, as far as like, you know, someone who 
was able to create the sounds and, and have everyone kind of collab and be, you know, bring around the sounds. So I like it. That's a good list, Shawnee. Shit. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> so nice. I told you we were going to have a nice show. Yeah. I told you it was going to be a very nice, nice time. It's going to be very funky, funky, funky man. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet. Funkalicious. Funkalicious. Uh, Shawnee, I've got, I've got a top five for you. Hit me with it. So I've been thinking a lot about uh, nice people. And um, nice people. it doesn't get any nicer than Tom fucking Hanks. So, Shawnee, what are your top five favorite Tom Hanks roles, movies, what have you? Oh, man. Tom Hanks. I got to say, this, this list, of course, is, was difficult. <laughs> There's a lot of movies that he's in, and I feel like every character he plays is sometimes reflects how nice he is. I, I feel like it's like, is this how he is in real life? Like, I think so. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know, man. Let's, I like, there's so many to pick from. And, uh, I was just reading an article about, um, they wrapped like toy story and like the voiceovers. Yeah. And it was like the, like the last line that, um, I, I, I hope it's not alluding to like this will be is I, I guess it is the last God I fucking hope so I'm like I'm you know yeah the, to be honest to be completely honest I, I thought they should end it with the last one yeah make a nice three it felt you know good as far as like where it ended um, but anyways um, Tom Hanks was in so many films and I have five I don't know where they stand with me but uh, here he goes all right so, um, I get number five, That Thing You Do. Right on. Tom Hanks not only starred and played in it, but he also wrote and directed it as well. Um, yeah, it, it was, it's a great film. Uh, it's on my top, personal top five films of all time. Um, I thoroughly enjoy watching it uh, to get... Uh, hyped for playing or whatever music <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's a great film and of course tom hanks plays uh this manager of, of the band and um the wonders uh and uh, <laughs> as and in i wonder like, what happened to the oneaters yeah the oneaters it's it's like a one <laughs> the wonders um yeah it's just a great film and uh if you like music and and you know tom hanks has this kind of fun and uh, interesting character and he's he's very uh, posh and, and and also you know very fun at the same time and um, as an agent he's got to be business smart so you see that part of him but if, if it's him directing this film too you used to kind of have that you know kind of to think about too and like how he's able to get these characters to really react to get this band together and and you know uh, you know show that uh, that kind of progression and development throughout the film. Yeah. So, um, props to you for that one. Hell yeah, Tom Hanks. So that's my uh, number five. Uh, I've got number four. Oh man, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Ooh, that's a good one. Four. Yeah. Uh, also starring Leonardo DiCaprio in that one, and uh, I I love it. It's a it's a very of course it's a very cat and mouse movie. No pun intended there, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I love Tom Hanks in it and, you know, his uh, kind of, obviously his chemistry with, uh, with um, Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie and uh, literally the whole movie is them trying to catch each other. <laughs> or, you know, they're, 
Yeah, and it, it's great. Like their chemistry together on in the film, and uh, how you know Tom Hanks. It's great because he can he can play kind of the nice guy, but also be the kind of witty and smart guy, and and um, you know have like kind of a different. He can still play different um, shades of of the. I don't know of like kind of the. He tends to be the more good guy, like not never the evil bad guy. Yeah, but um, it's great. He you know as far as you know he can play many roles. So, um, yeah. So number four, catch me if you can. Right on. Uh, number three, I've got Forrest Gump. Uh, Jenny. <laughs> I love it, man. It's uh, man. There's so much going on in this film. There's, there's a uh, American history in this film. I feel there's a, a segment of that, I guess. And, uh, Forrest Gump as a character that playing this, this guy from um, Alabama and, and I, I don't know, it's, it's such a heartfelt movie and there's, there's, it's like you go on this guy's, this life's, this guy's journey through life and, you know, all the people he meets along the way and, and all the adventures he goes on and all the opportunities he, he, he meets and, and, and it's, uh, it's a very interesting story and it, it's interesting that it happens throughout his, like they show this kind of lifetime throughout the film and I know there's a little bit of history in, injected into it yeah but it's great because you 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 almost feel like you're part of this character and where they're at in their lives and sometimes you don't get to see that like sometimes you know a lot of films are just concentrated on one you know one event happening or or you know you know within a year or a month or whatever um, this is happening throughout the years so you're, you're seeing kind of the progression of this character and for Tom Hanks to play that character and to learn and and to be in so many of these interesting situations where you, you wouldn't, th- you know, he, he would, you know, how would someone react if he's, you know, going to the army and, and the military in Vietnam or, you know, it, it's, it, he's just goes through so many different things throughout the film. And I, I, I think it's just so still intriguing to this day and there's, and it's so funny and there's a lot of different things happening in the film. So yeah, I can't say anything enough about, uh, you know, Forrest Gump. Man. Right on. It's, it's a great heartfelt film. So that. It is. My brother got me the soundtrack on vinyl for Christmas. Whoa, okay. It's very, I never realized how much good music was in that movie. I'm, yeah, I'm, there's a lot of good music. I'm trying to yeah. remember that. Actually, I might have to, I'm about to look that up, too. Yeah. And uh, possibly get that. It's, it's um, pretty sweet. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet, man. Uh, let's see. Oh, I guess uh, switch these. Okay, so s- number two, Saving Private Ryan. Right on. Uh, it's perfect, man. He plays the perfect... Uh, I guess he's a sergeant. He's Captain, Captain John H. Miller. Captain, Captain, Captain. Uh, yes, of course Miller, and of, and of, of course uh, Private Ryan. Uh, you know Matt Damon's character has a c- close connection with him um, in the earlier scenes. You know when he's older and he's you know he's remembering um, you know those soldiers and of course you know how they pretty much risk his you know risk their lives to save him. And it's, it's such a, a big moment and, um, for him to be a captain and, and to be kind of the, of course, the leader amongst all these, all these men, um, you know, it's, it, that's a, that's also a, you know, a tough role too, as far as being able to carry, carry the weight almost of all these men and, and try to bring them, you know, try to convince everyone, obviously this is the mission we're going to, you know, we're going to get Ryan, we're going to, you know, find him and, and we're going to save him and, and you know, promise that, you know, they get him back. So it's, you know, of course that's a turning point for, you know, his character to, to really, 
get people to, you know, to believe. And, and of course himself too, you know, it's like, am I, you know, what's this mission? It's for one guy. How many people can we risk? And, um, you know, it's, an, it's, it's a lot of responsibility for that role in, as a character. Yeah. So I, I think taking that on and really, you know, showing that was, uh, was great. So yeah. Yeah. Freaking Saving Prime Ryan. I love it. And number, number one, this will always be a dear movie to my heart. And, uh, Tom Hanks is actually not physically in the film. <laughs> uh, it is Toy Story, and I mean, I could say the whole series, but I mean, it's it all started with Toy Story, um, the first one, and playing Woody. Uh, very, as far as Pixar, one of the most you know re- related characters, most iconic characters when you think of Pixar. Um, it's it's one of the f- the first uh, full length films for 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 Pixar as a company and 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 Disney moving forward so it's uh Tom Han- you know Tom Hanks being able to take that character and, and an animated character and seeing the, the the first story story movie and like trying to you know to it's a, you know kind of our first time seeing a full featured film with all animated characters you know how's that going to work you know, it, you have to make it convincing. You have to make it, um, you have to make those characters real and believable for the audience. And that's what Tom Hanks did. He brought, you know, he brought Woody to life. Oh yeah. You know, in, in a way. So, um, and of course his, his, you know, his chemistry with Tim Allen and everyone else in the cast. Um, it was, it was such a memorable character in the series and, I mean, Toy Story, it's, it's, it, it still is one of my favorite films. Um, and of course, Tom Hanks is, is, is kills it as Woody. Yeah, he does. So, yeah. So that's, that's my five, man. It's a, Excellent. it's a pretty big one. It's a good list, there's man. A bunch of other, there's a bunch of other films I want to put on there. There's Apollo 13, uh, tons of them, man. Yeah. Green Mile. Oh, but fuck, uh, Joey, enough of my list. I want to hear yours because you might have some of those on there. I we we, we share some, uh, none of them in the same order. But uh, <laughs> number five, I'm going to go with Turner and Hooch. Play Scott Turner. Ooh, okay. Um, and it was shot over kind of by where I used to live uh, in Pacific Grove. And um, oh no way. Yeah. Um, and there's certain like certain buildings that is just like totally like oh fuck that's. Yeah, that's in the movie. The but movie. it's uh, the lovely story of uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, his name is Scott Turner in the movie. He plays a cop. And um, he's got like a friend down on the docks who, who has this just vicious dog, Hooch. And um, the owner gets killed. And Tom Hanks takes the dog in because it's it's a witness to a murder. Um, uh, so they, you know, he's not a dog person. He's very straight laced and clean and blah, blah, blah. And the dog slobbers everywhere and chooses shoes. And blah, you know, um, but it's such a sweet fucking movie, dude. Um, yeah. When I think of early Tom Hanks, I think of this and big and, um, I take Turner and Hooch over big personally. Uh, it's probably not the popular opinion, but I'm a dog person. <laughs> um, wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, number four, uh, a League of Their Own. Oh, man. Yeah, I was also thinking about Dude, that Dude, he plays Jimmy Dugan. And um, Tom Hanks popping up, you know, kind of in a smaller role and mostly comedic. He is fucking dynamite and hilarious he, in this great. movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't think people, I think people forget how fucking funny Tom Hanks is. 
Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's David S. fucking Pumpkins, man. Um, but yeah, he is hilarious. You know, the one kid like gives him something to sign. Will you sign my baseball? And he writes, don't get the clap, Jimmy. Or avoid the clap, Jimmy. Um, just fucking, like, he can be kind of dirty, but still it's okay yeah. to, like, watch with your parents kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, yeah, I adore him in A League of Their Own. It's fucking great. That's a great, that's a great movie, too. It and is. A great cast as well. Yeah. Um, a true ensemble, kind of. True ensemble, yes. No, Gina Davis <laughs> is the star. What am I talking about? Um, number three, I've got Woody from Toy Story. Um, obviously the first one is the best one, I think. Um, even though I really have a soft spot for two, three is that ending packs a punch, but structurally it's the same fucking movie as number two. So it kind of annoys me (laughs) that way. Um, but you know what? I'll take fucking Tom Hanks any way I can get him. And, um, I was, so I was, uh, when I used to teach film and video and stuff, this is, this will make you feel old. You ready for this? I'm trying to explain, I was like, what was I do? I was talking about Jimmy Stewart. And I was like, have you guys ever heard of the name Jimmy Stewart? No, 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 no. I was like, he was kind of like the 1940s, 50s version of Tom Hanks. They're like, who? Oh, man. I went, you got to fuck, these kids are in high school. I was like, you fucking kidding me? I was like, Woody from Toy Story? Oh, okay. Because I know I named Forrest Gump. I named fucking Saving Private Ryan. And, you know, yeah. Woody? Yeah. Yep. And it, it really pissed me off. Uh, <laughs> the fuck you don't know Jimmy Stewart or Tom Hanks, you fucks. Um, all right. Tom Hanks. You know? Uh, number two, I've got That Thing You Do, where he stars as Mr. White. Um, yes. Like, this is Tom Hanks' personality, like, uh, in movie yeah. form. In you know? movie form. It's just, it's sweet, it's funny, it's makes you happy, you know, like it's fucking Tom Hanks, man. Um, and, you know, the fact that he wrote and directed it is so fucking cool. Like it's, and the, it's everything I would want from him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. Like saying like, that's, it's really a Tom Hanks in the movie. Like his personality is like, I feel like written all over that. And, um, yeah. Soundtrack's awesome too. <laughs> it is. It's really good. Great. Curious soundtrack. Yeah. Um, number one, Saving Private Ryan, dude. Captain yeah. John H. Miller. I, fuck, this movie doesn't matter if I walk in, you know, midway through. If I see that ending, I fucking cry. I ball my, one time I was at my parents' house not too long ago, and me and my dad are watching it, and I'm just fucking sobbing. And my brother walks in, he's like, are you fucking crying? And I gesture towards the TV, I was like, Saving Private Ryan. He's like, oh, okay, cool. You know? <laughs> But, um, you know, he's, it's a, yeah, he's just so fucking human in that movie and he's so strong and, um, ah, man, it's really wonderful. Like, um, when he finally kind of, uh, you know, the two soldiers, um, Tom Sizemore and Edward Burns are fighting and screaming at each other and, you know, Tom Sizemore has the gun in his face. He's like, you know, fucking make me shoot you, you know. Tom Hanks yeah. finally is like, what's the pool up to me? You know, because everyone, like, it was mysterious. What did he do before the war? You know, who was he back home? And yeah, yeah. he stops the fight with, uh, you know, I was an English teacher, you know, high school. Taught, taught baseball or coached baseball in the, in the springtime. 
It's like you fucking would, <laughs> you fucking would. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, just that—that that is a great moment. Yeah, yeah. Just to like, he lets his, you know, not let his guard down, but yeah, he he lets him in. Yeah. As far as, you know, we're all we're all, you know, we're all men at war, but we you know we all have our lives. Yeah. You know. And that scene between him and Matt Damon before the big battle at the end. Yeah. Where Damon explains, you know, the last night him and his brothers were all together, which is probably Matt Damon's finest bit of acting ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Tom Hanks does that beautiful little quiet story about his wife picking roses, you know, in their little garden. He's like, tell me about the roses. He's like, no, those are just for me. You know, and you're just <laughs> like, fuck. Um, yeah. Fucking love it. Love it. Same Private Ryan, man. Yeah. And then Tom Hanks can't finish uh, talking about Sam Private Ryan without my favorite line: "Earn this." <laughs> you earn, earn it. Uh, fuck. <laughs> it. That part used to make me cry really hard. Now it makes me, you know, no, I, I don't laugh. It's it's a beautiful moment. But the part that gets me is when uh, Matt Damon morphs into the old man, and his wife oh, is yeah. like, you know, he's like. Tell me I lived a good life. You know, fuck, man. I'm choking up fucking talking about it, man. You know, yes. You know, tell me I'm a good man. I'm like, fuck. Oh, my God. You know, Spielberg, you son of a bitch. Um, yeah. It's fucking great. So fucking great. Anyway. Um, Tom Hanks, ladies and gentlemen. Who doesn't love Tommy? Tommy Hanks. Tommy H. Um, fuck. Do you ever watch Veep? I haven't seen V. Fuck. Yet. I know. Um, God, there's this one really fucking dark moment. Um, Let's talk about Tom Hanks? Well, yeah. So, like, some, th- some crisis was happening with Julie Lewis, Dreyfus, the VP's character. And um, their press guy, Mike, is just fucking useless. And he, they're like, you know, why, why don't you, you know, why, why aren't you prepared? He's like, you never know what's going to happen in the news day. Maybe Tom Hanks will die. And they're like, you're not preparing because you think Tom, because maybe Tom Hanks will die. Like, and it was just, oh my gosh. it made me <laughs> so sad. Cause in that moment I was like, someday Tom Hanks will die. And, uh, that's going to be like one of the worst days ever. Yeah. You know? Anyway, I took it to a dark spot kids and I'm really sorry. Really sorry. But Veep did it first. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Shawnee, each week on the program, we do a weekly segment. Uh, this season, if you want to call it that, we've been doing the Ramones. Um, we have started with the self-titled 1976 uh, Ramones, then Leave Home, followed by Rocket to Russia, Road to Ruin, End of the Century, Pleasant Dreams, Subterranean Jungle, and this week we are talking what many consider the last great Ramones record. No, wait, sorry, we did it last week. We talked about Too Tough to Die. Jesus Christ. Yes. We were talking about the yes. one after what many consider the last great <laughs> Ramones record. We were talking about Animal Boy. Um, Animal Boy. Shawnee, what did you think of this record? Uh, yeah, it was very Dee Dee uh, heavy. Yes. I would say. Yeah. Um, which I was kind of digging. Because yeah. there's a lot more, there's a lot of fast songs in there. Um, and yeah, it was, it's kind of, oh, 
It's kind of interesting because going from Too Tough to Die to this one, I thought it felt a little bit messier, which yeah. I still kind of dig at the same time. Yeah, I didn't mind it at um, all. I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I prefer Ramones at like the raw kind of playing, not so kind of like, I guess, Phil Spector, you know, kind of big band kind of sounding. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was definitely, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was pretty, like, there's some songs where I was like, wow, I like, I really like kind of what's happening here. And the guitar is, is, is very interesting. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How, how do you feel about it? I honestly, I was kind of dreading listening to this record and I threw it on. I was like this, I'm, I'm having it's a good time cool, with right? it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there was some kind of grown worthy lines here and there, but, um, Joey sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, um, I, was, I was just thinking about that too. Yeah. Like fucking hardcore alcoholic, you know, like fuck, dude, get some fucking help or something. But he still sounds good. <laughs> like yeah. he sounds terrible, but he still like it works. Um, the same for Didi, I feel too. Yeah, like, that's just Didi, like his sound. And uh, sometimes I don't know what he's talking. Like I can't really yeah. understand, but. <laughs> <laughs> fucking it's but it definitely adds to the uh i guess the um attitude and i guess the you know the angst and aggression in the songs so yeah i dug it i dug it um shining what were your top five favorite off of this record okay so man uh crummy stuff at number five hey we share number five crummy stuff i'm trying to remember how it starts might have to I, I don't remember how it starts I just wrote crummy 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 stuff, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a tradition like a very like especially for Joey like his his kind of chanting yeah uh repetitive kind of lines uh which I love because it, it it's the it's the best part about like the, some of those songs yeah um it, and it, it kind of makes you remember him a little bit more and um yeah I I don't know I just I dug it it, it definitely had you know, I, I, again, I think with these weekly lists, I always tend to pick the songs that kind of remind me of the kind of raw Ramones that we had in the first two records. Yeah. And, and I, I know it's like a preference for me now with the Ramones, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I like the song. It kind of had the essence of, of the, that sound and, um, yeah, that, that repetitive line for the, uh, the hook is, is pretty, pretty fun. I could see them like playing that live and really like rocking it. So, yeah. Um, so crummy stuff from number five, uh, number four, hair of the dog. Ooh, I am again trying to remember <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, I listened to these like a couple of days ago actually, and uh, um, I definitely I think with future I'm gonna definitely do repeat uh, listens. But this one, oh, you know what? So this has Joey singing. It's got kind of a, uh, it reminds me of a little bit of like Sex Pistols. I can uh, see that. How it starts off and it, it kind of like the guitars ring um, at the top of it. And then it kind of goes into the next line. And uh, it's kind of got this uh, driving like drum kind of like uh, with the toms. So it's got the kind of this driving drums in the background. Um, and it's great. Uh, it's a cool song. It's, it's a... Uh, 
I don't know. I, again, it's again a catchy, catchy choruses from from Joey Ramone as well, and and the kind of repetitive nature of it. Um, I I dig it. It's kind of still like a central kind of the essence of the Ramone sound. Yeah. Uh, hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. Four. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, number three, I've got uh, Freak of Nature. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, this one has uh, Dee Dee singing on it. And uh, again, it's it's pretty fast, <laughs> from what I remember as well. And uh, like it, it repeats that freak of nature line. It um, it kind of starts off. Um, it reminds me of like I want to be sedated. It kind of has that kind of uh, tempo and feel to it. Yeah. So I, I do I do like that uh, sound from the Ramones and. Um, it's interesting to hear that against Dee's voice because he tends to really sing fast on faster tracks. I mean, this track is still like a, a pumping track, but I think, um, you know, I think it's a little bit slower than kind of their faster, you know, tunes on this record, especially the, especially Eat That Rat, which is my number, <laughs> uh, number two. Hell yeah. Um, so Eat That Rat, also Dee's singing on this one. Yeah, he, he got a lot of uh, disc time. Yeah, and I kind of dig it. Uh, maybe it was a chance. It was a good like showcase for him, you know, to kind of get you know have different uh, songs and different vibes. I guess uh, for you know, I, I I don't know because like on most of the tracks or most of the other records, it was it was either him on like one or two tracks or maybe a backing, and so it's like oh, I, I, you don't get a chance to really like get. Uh, into his his vocals and kind of the way he writes, um, but it's cool. Like we have kind of a showcase on Didi on this record, and I I kind of dig all of it, man. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, yeah, eat that rat. Right Talks, on. I don't know. Eating rats. Uh, <laughs> just sounds in the title. It sounds grimy, and the song just feels kind of grimy. It so does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of associate with it with that um, as far as just a, a song that can really, you know. Um, come through in the the imagery is just so sharp and in your face that you really kind of see it. So um, yeah, so number two, eat that rat, and number one, mental hell. Ooh, uh, which has I think Joey singing on this one. Um, I, and again, with the themes of mental health, I guess, and <laughs> I guess it's a play on mental health and mental hell. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting song from the Ramones and, uh, I really like this one. It, again, it's, it kind of has, it kind of sums up like this record in a way I feel. And, um, maybe it, it's, uh, the way the song is, is played and paced. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I enjoyed it. I think it's just one of my favorite songs off the record. Hell yeah. It really st- stuck to me. So, and the guitar is awesome in it, in the song. So, uh, yeah, those are my five. Again, I, you know, I might have to do some repeat listenings on some of these records because I got to remember how they sound. Um, but initially, those are kind of like my reactions to them and the ones that really kind of stood out to me. And, uh, yeah, that is my top five for the Ramones Animal Boy. Right on, Shawnee. We only share one song off the record this time. There we uh, go. Which is number awesome. five, Crummy Stuff. Um, Crummy Stuff. I I liked um, number f- for my number four. I liked the kickoff track. Somebody put something in my drink. Yeah, okay, um, that and that was uh, written by Richie Ramone. 
He, I guess he was oh. the first drummer since Tommy to write songs for the band. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. That's a good. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Cool. Yeah. That's like somebody, somebody put some. That, oh, is that him? All, is that him singing? No, it's it? Joey. It, he sounds like shit. Joey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a cool song. I thought it was a cool like album opener. Um, <laughs> number three, something to believe in. Something to. It's kind of like their ballady one, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I dug it. I really dug it. Um, and it's near the end of the record. Um, it was just kind of a nice because th- this album is a lot kind of dirtier and grimier, like you were saying, you know. So yeah, th- yeah. those moments kind of stand out and sparkle a bit. Um, sparkle. My favorite Didi Ramone song off this record, though, uh, or ones that he is the singer on, is "Love Gales." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one's too. I really dug that, that song. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah, his his. I think for me, it's it's one of my very favorite vocal performances by Dee Dee. Um, his mm-hmm. voice is, meh, but it's also kind of bouncy too. It's got you know, it's kind of bouncy. It's got it's it's like I know I said earlier, like it's kind of hard to hear him sometimes, but it it's one of the clearest I've yeah. heard, I think recording wise. Absolutely, wise, you know, hearing his. His voice and everything. Yeah, I I really dug so. that song. Um, I was yeah. I was getting it in the car, so I was listening to it. Um, and then number one, uh, the DD penned uh, "Bonzo Goes to Bitburg." This uh, yeah, song appeared okay. on the School of Rock soundtrack. Bonzo oh, goes shoot. to Bitburg and he pulls Fucking, I believe it's during the scene when he's teaching all the music classes, like history of rock, and well, you know um, that little montage i believe it plays over um but it's about ronald reagan's visit to germany and i don't know enough about that situation to speak knowledgeably on it um mm-hmm. uh or politically or whatever but basically john ramon was very conservative reagan was his favorite president up until w and um he refused to play on the song because it was critical um Joey and Dee Dee wanted to be more of a political band, but Johnny vetoed yeah. it. Like he wouldn't let them play that song live. Um, wow! And it's funny because something to believe in, I feel like, has very much the same tune and same almost music, uh, just with different lyrics. And it was to, for me, it was almost like Johnny liked playing the song, so he did that. I don't know. That's just my head mm-hmm. canon, but. Um, yeah, I, I really, really love Bonzo Goes to the Bitburg, so. Cool. All right. Parentheses, my brain is hanging upside down. Yeah. Uh, so, Shawnee, do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience this week? Uh, nothing much, really. I'm getting, like, pretty close to finishing, I think, People Just Do Nothing. Oh. They're on their fifth season, and it uh, it's all on Netflix now. Um. But I guess this fifth season dropped in December, so I think it, it's the, the one that's on Netflix at the moment. Right on. So uh, I'm not sure if they're renewing the show. It seems like they're finishing the show. A little sad, but you know, we'll see what happens with Corrupt FM. I'm sure they're going to be uh, touring or doing more <laughs> Hell yeah. videos or whatnot. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just trying to catch up on shows. Uh, I've been recommended a bunch of shows. Uh, Russian Doll dropped yeah. on I, was I had that on one. in the background but I didn't really pay attention to it yeah so I, I'm trying to find time to, to sit down and watch those <laughs> but uh, at the same time I always catch myself re-watching uh, Game of Thrones because of course again 
Also, with the Avengers coming out in April, we also have Game of Thrones coming back. So it's gonna be a bloody fucking month, man. I'm turning thirty. Yes. You're turning thirty. And fucking, it's gonna be <laughs> dirty. And I don't know who will be on the throne. Yeah, it might not be Daenerys. You never know. You never you fucking know, know man. man. Wild. With Game of Thrones, I don't think. Just here's my theory. You ready for my theory? I don't think there's going to be a throne at the end of Game of Thrones. I don't think anyone's going to sit on the throne. I think it's going to be melted down, probably by a dragon. Probably by Drogon. Um, I don't know if they form a democracy after that, or a republic, or something like the Republic of Westeros, or, you know, something, but I don't think there will be... Like a king and queen. uh, I mean, if there is, I don't think there will be an Iron Throne. Yeah. But that's just me. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be actually the most symbolic thing they can do is melt that thing down. Yeah. Because they always talk oh, about, oh, melting it down or, melt, you know, add another sword by melting it. In. You know, like, I think, I think, I don't think that throne survives <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That, that, what if that is the last thing that perishes, you know, for the, <laughs> for the show? Shit. As the last person, the last thing that, that goes. That would be kind of um, cool. Yeah. But yeah, man. Yeah, I'm I'm on season four or five right now. Um, of Thrones. I yeah, I skipped. I, I usually do this every year. I usually go one through whatever the latest season is. Yeah. Um, I skipped. I think season. I skipped to season two or three. I think three. Now I'm on five. Right on. So um, yeah. I'm on three right now. I'm in the middle of three. It's pretty good, man. It is still a good show. Really good. So I can't wait to talk actually more Game of Thrones uh, lists maybe in the future. Yeah. Uh, as we get closer to, to April. And uh, we might have to talk about the, uh, the series as well. Yeah. It's, it's finishing. We might have to and do a little recap every, every week. Apparently it's a big freaking deal. So. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything as big of a deal in TV. Yeah, it's, it, it, it has its following, man. Yeah. It definitely has. It's, it's all its fans. Even just talking about it now, uh, I've talked about Game of Thrones, I think, a bunch of times this week already. <laughs> I, could, I, I think yesterday I mentioned Game of Thrones to one of my coworkers because just every, getting hyper, man. Yeah. Always. At my work, we're having a, a pool going, uh, uh, gonna, like a checklist of, yeah, live, die, become a White Walker. And then bonus Ooh. questions underneath, like, uh, will Daenerys be pregnant? Who sits on the Iron Throne at the end? You know, those kinds of things, so... Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll send this. you I'll send you the the thing. Can you? Yeah. yeah please. Absolutely. Um, uh, Joe, do you have anything to share this weekend? Yeah, I um, went to uh, the city this weekend. Um, got to see my folks watch um, a movie called Little Italy, starring Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen, who neither of them look Italian at all, um, and they play. From very Italian families, you know, hey, you know, uh, give me the red wine and the breadstick. Like very, uh, I hate that fucking uh, <laughs> kind of shit, man. It's like, yeah, that's, no. Um, yeah. no. But, Did you like the movie? <laughs> uh, it, it was stupid and sweet and, you know, I didn't have to pay attention to it. It was fine. Um, but I watched that with them and then I went to North Beach with, and hung out with my brother. I went to Little Italy um, and hung out with my brother and... Um, this is now I just went on a rant about stereotypical Italians, but I just I want to say Tony's <laughs> Tony's pizzeria. 
is uh, fucking awesome. Uh, I, you know, he's taken us there before, but um, before we'd s- sat down inside the restaurant, the pizza was good, you know. Um, but this time, me and him uh, went, like, there's, like, a pickup kind of window where you can just kind of grab yeah. by the slice or whatever. And I got a okay. fucking greasy slice of pepperoni, dude, and it was oh. fucking magical. It was so good. Um, pizza, man. I'm yeah. the pizza. But that, that's that's great because, you know, there's a lot of good food out there in, in Northridge. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Have I tried Tony's Pizza? I don't think I have. I, not with me. I've only had it no, the two times. So. No, I haven't tried Tony's, so I have to try it next time I'm back in town. And it's across the street from Joe's. And I, I did have Joe's down in North Beach this weekend. There you go. Had a okay. Flamignon. Holy shit. <laughs> uh Yon and Jameson, yeah. you know, just life doesn't get much better. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, so that's my thank you, Matt. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for a nice nice little weekend. Um but yeah, Tony's. If you're in North Beach, it's good shit. Good shit. Um Tony's pizza. Yeah. Shawnee, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Sean Day Music and on my website, SeanDayMusic.net. Net. 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 Net, net, net. Net, net, net. Joey, where yeah. can we find you on the net? Uh, you can find me on the net at, uh, <laughs> at Joey Prati. That's both on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out my website, JoeyPratiScripts.com. You can check out the show at Top5Pod, that's T-O-P-F-I-V-E-5-P-O-D on Twitter, on Instagram, at gmail.com, or Top5Podcast on Facebook. You can also check us out on Apple, fucking Android, and SoundCloud. So please give us a like, give us a listen, follow, all that shit. And uh, we want to hear from you. So much... Yeah, yeah, definitely from our from our audience of imaginary listeners. You know, I almost Joe, had to was on a roll there for a minute, and then I fucked yeah, it up right at the end. On a, no, no, I, I sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. What were you say? I was like, I was like, oh, you said that with such such elegance and swag. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it fell apart at the end there, but I really do appreciate that. <laughs> I felt it. Um, I felt it. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well. We had a good time here tonight, folks. We're going to have an even better time next week because it'll be our 125th episode, so I'm very excited. Man, yeah, we're getting there. We are getting there. We're getting up there in age. Um, until next time, I'm Joey Prati. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah.